Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff, the podcast in which discuss, sorry, discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. I'm Iris Smeller, and with me, my partner, Alma Schneider, and we are going to like um, talk about a very interesting topic that Alma is going to introduce soon. I just wanted to thank everybody who's joining us today for the first time, and everybody who's here yet again after listening for, uh, to us for quite some time. Thank you for joining us. Yes, we appreciate it, and uh, we're very happy to have you here. So today's topic is one that might be left by the wayside by many people. People don't discuss this, but what we're going to be talking about today and in the future as well is durable medical equipment. So anything from medication to uh, back braces to wheelchairs, we're going to do an overview today, and um, we're going to have a lot more detail in future episodes, but we're going to get started. Iris, uh, you use quite a bit of durable medical equipment, so I'm going to let you take the lead. Thank you. Thank you, Alma. And as you guys know, my daughter has quadriplegic cerebral palsy, meaning that we have a whole bunch of equipment in our house. We have everything from a variety of seating system, standards, uh, gate trainers, we have uh, uh, wheelchairs, manuals, power. We do um, need a toilet seat system. We have a bath seat system. We have a ceiling lift, a Hoyer lift, a, an adapted car. We do have a robotic arm to feed her, a bunch of other kind of low-tech aids for feeding. And the list goes on and on. Any little uh, aspect of her life, even adapted clothing and shoes, um, we had to uh, figure it all out. And while I'm telling you guys all of this, I know that many other families are kind of in our same boat that need a lot of equipment. And even if you just have one category in your life in which you need support, my message to you people is that knowledge is power. And it's really, really important when it comes to durable medical equipment. Even if it's the simplest item on the list, I don't know if it's like an adult diaper that your child suddenly needs to use. There is such a variety out there and you need to know your stuff so you can advocate and get what your child really needs. And this is not a simple task sometimes. So we'll discuss a little bit about that uh, later in this episode. But I, I want to mention to everyone that vendors are just uh, usually responsible for some of uh, the variety that is out there. And you can't expect a certain vendor to educate you about all that is out there. They usually know about the stuff that their company is providing and nothing beyond that. And you can't rely on one vendor to expose you to the variety of equipment that is out there. My recommendation is educate yourself above and beyond and always to speak to more than one vendor. Ooh, and when I listen to you say all of that, Iris, I get overwhelmed and I don't even have to get all that stuff. So putting on the 
emotional parent hat, um, which is all of us because we all have emotions, but having to do with this, this is, this is not just like buying a car or buying a, um, you know, paint to paint your house. There's a lot of emotion attached to all of these, all of this research, because every time you're making a call, every time you're struggling with a vendor or with an insurance company to get these items, it's a reminder that you have to get these items. And it can tr be very triggering to, to have to get them in the first place, but then to have to struggle to get them um, is very triggering as well. So take your time. Um, again, as we've talked about in a lot of other episodes, try to get family members to help you if you can, or friends. Uh, it's a very personal shopping spree to get all these things and you might have to be there, but to have somebody advocate or simply be with you while you're doing this can be helpful because it can be, it can be very triggering. Um, I'll start with, um, you know, the first piece of medical equipment that we had to have was a, um, a nasal tube in the hospital for oxygen. And that alone, seeing your baby with that is really, it can be very disturbing, especially when you've just given birth or if your baby is, you know, later on has um, breathing issues, which uh, my son did have, he would have um, asthma uh, related to colds and he would have to have the, the um, what is it called? I'm forgetting nubilizer. what it's, the, sorry? Nubilizer? Yes, yes, the nubilizer. I think that's what it's called in the US. I'm forgetting what it's called, um, to give him oxygen. Um, and that seeing that on your child can be very, can be very upsetting. So that was the first thing that we had to deal with, um, this nasal tube, which then turned into a feeding tube that um, he had for a year and a half. And just seeing that tube, I've mentioned again in other episodes, how hard it was to have him attached to a piece of equipment. It's, it's, you know, it takes a lot to get sensitized, desensitized to that and give yourself, you know, what you need to, to um, accept that and to, to learn from others and find community of other people who have these types of um, equipment because it can, it's, you know, I always liken it to, a, it's like Pinocchio. It's like, he's a real boy. It's like when he got the tube pulled out, I was like, he's a real boy, but he was always a real boy. But when you're first getting used to these, um, items, it can be very, very disturbing. So nobody, I ever, I never hear anybody talk about that. They just talk about the actual equipment, but there's a lot of emotional baggage that goes along for a lot of people with these items. So I just want to get that out there first thing. Yeah. And uh, you are reminding me at the very, very beginning of this journey um, how hard it was actually to look at all of those uh, durable medical equipment magazines and see a, a lot of them are doing something that I think is really nice and they include people with a variety of disabilities, a variety of genetical syndromes, etc. to actually model the equipment. Uh, which is uh, very nice, but also might be very intimidating to a first time kind of parent uh, dealing with this uh, this population and, and the situation. And I remember that one time we had a friend come over and they saw me kind of looking at the magazine of, of equipment for Karen. And they're like, what are they doing? This is such a cynical use of, of these uh, helpless people in the magazine. And I'm like, you know, these are the people that actually need that equipment. That's why they are modeling it in the magazine. But it can look like 
odd to some people looking at that at the beginning. And if someone doesn't have the familiarity, I think most of those magazines were meant probably for OTs and PTs, and there's less mm. thought being put in there to, towards the parents. But uh, for, for a parent who's new to the world of disability and has not seen a variety of people with a variety of conditions, this can be, I think, a little bit intimidating and, uh, and unpleasant, especially kind of thinking with a perspective to the future. You're buying equipment for your two-year-old and you're seeing like adults with, with complex medical conditions. It's not always an easy journey. Nevertheless, I want to encourage people to, to get a hold of as many kind of durable medical equipment uh, magazines in the, uh, and, and brochures in the topic that is relevant to your child and to really, really do the research. If you don't do the research, you kind of, uh, in a way, trust a portion of your child's well-being in the hands of someone else, whether it's an OT or a PT, and usually those people experience and ability to share knowledge with you is limited to what they have experienced. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, I think that um, it's, it's an important uh, thing to, to educate yourself because sometimes even just hearing opinions from other parents and uh, going online and asking a question in a support group online and, and saying, does anyone here have an experience with mm-hmm. this, uh, this experience, uh, piece of equipment or the other, you would get a lot of information that uh, a vendor can share with you. And it's, uh, it's important. Yeah, you have to get the personal experience. It's so important. And that that's kind of that provides two things. It provides support that you're not alone and you have community um, in this, you know, in the need for getting the durable medical equipment, but also you get practical advice. So that is so important. And I brought it up in a couple of different episodes about how um, I had a, uh, my feeding, the feeding tube that I had for my son, I didn't know that there was a digital one. And I used to hold a test, a, 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 a tube, so that it would go into his stomach. I did that for four months without knowing that there was a machine that could be hooked up to his stomach during the middle of the night to feed him. And that not only allowed for me to get more sleep, but it also, um, which is vital if you're dealing with all this stuff to get more sleep and not have to wake up in the middle of the night to handhold a tube into your child's stomach. It's, um, it's also, um, it's just, it's one of the most basic things. It was so disturbing to me on an emotional level that nobody told me that in the medical field or in all with all the staff that were dealing with me at this time that nobody told me that this uh, this equipment was available except for one friend that I made and I found this friend because I asked early intervention to find me someone in my town who had a child with a feeding tube so I really went out of my way to find community for this um, you might not have that in your community but by all means go online find people, you know, there are all sorts of support groups for, for everything on Facebook and elsewhere. You can ask at your, at your uh, doctor's office for your child, if there are other people in their practice and they might be able to connect you. It's again, I, I bring this up. We both bring this up so often how vitally important community is for both emotional support and practical support, because I don't walk around seeing people with a feeding tube in my town. You just don't because people, you know, are quiet about it. You don't know who's got one. So it's really important to seek it out. 
So we did that with the feeding tube. Uh, we also, part of our durable medical equipment at one point was the, um, uh, uh, the breast pump, which was kind of, you know, normalizing, equalizing because people use a breast pump who don't have a child with additional needs. But that was something that is extremely expensive. Uh, there, I remember at the time they were called the, uh, I forget what the name of the machine was, but I was able to uh, get uh, people to donate. People who had finished with theirs gave me their breast pump and I had one on each floor. <laughs> Even though they were like 300 or $350, when people were done with them, you can change up the parts and have them be sterile. Um, but I had one on each floor and that made my life a lot easier instead of having to go, you know, if I had the kids to watch, I could pump on each floor without having to lug the machine everywhere. So that's another piece of durable medical equipment that you might not think about it, an actual breast pump. Yeah, I, I have to say, Alma, every time I hear your story about the feeding tube and how you weren't aware of the nighttime machine, I'm just like, <laughs> it's just so so annoying and uh, yeah. uh, it's just like really unfair yeah. it's very 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 upsetting and it's you know it really speaks to the lack of communication with the with our medical teams and you know I I was angry about that I'm still angry about it and that was 17 years ago I hold a grudge sometimes <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, as we've talked about in other episodes, sleep is so important at this time. And I was having to get up at 4 a.m. every night. And it was just awful. Awful. Yeah. I want to give a shout out in this episode to the Abilities Expo. And mm. um, I want to mention the Abilities Expo to parents who are not aware. And uh, given that... Um, you know, our family traveled uh, far and wide after the expo just because it's a great opportunity to be in one place where you can see tons of new equipment that just came on the market and some mm -hmm. older equipment that has been there for a while and to have your child actually try uh, stuff with professionals around that can advise you on how to, you know, how to actually use that piece of equipment many, many of the items, if not all of them, that uh, our daughter is using, we bought uh, through or after the Abilities Expo, after being exposed to stuff over there and being exposed to opinions of other parents and other people in, uh, in the Expo. And uh, for those who are totally unfamiliar with the Abilities Expo, it's a big uh, trade show for uh, durable medical equipment. <laughs> and especially for people who are uh, wheelchair users, this is the, um, I guess, the good place to, to be and see also activities and other uh, services for people with disabilities. And it would help you get connected and be active. I know, again, that there are some parents that don't like to be, you know, in that space with so many people with such like a, a big, uh, I guess, variety of conditions and abilities that it is uh, really overwhelming. I do have a friend that went for to it once and said, uh, never again, I'm, I'm not going. But if you can ignore everything else that goes around and be focused on what your child needs, let's say it's a standing frame, and uh, go there with the purpose of actually uh, trying out a, um, a standing frame and see how it works for your kid. You can be can there. Can you just explain what a standing frame is? Do you yes. mind? Okay. Yes, 
for, for some children who do not have the ability to stand independently in order to help kind of uh, keep their body alignment correct and to help them. Uh, and, and I'm saying all of that, but know that there's also a debate about the use of standing frames in general. So it's a take it all in a, with a grain of salt. But if you chose to use a standing frame with your child and uh, um, the purpose of that is to, to help uh, the child's body kind of be in a standing position, we are all meant actually to be uh, standing upright. And this is something that helps your child who cannot do it independently imitate that, uh, you know, assume that postural alignment uh, mm -hmm. uh, through gravity kind of. And it um, it is uh, something that can be complicated at this point in the game to help my daughter at 14 get into her stander. Uh, it requires like three people. It's just really, really hard to, to hold her in that position and strap her in. Mm -hmm. But um, if, uh, if you're after, let's say something in a specific, uh, first, if you have a long way to travel, make sure that you uh, go online and check what, which vendors are in the next expo. Uh, the Abilities Expo have some locations that are really big and uh, there's lots of vendors there and some, uh, some destinations that the expo is very kind of small. So you want to check that you're not driving five hours only to discover that there's a, a very minimalistic uh, trade show there and you just uh, did a tremendous effort with your child and then there's nothing uh, in the, I guess, space that you need help with uh, over there. So that's, a, that's a, a shout out to the Abilities Expo. I generally recommend it. And I think that it's a good education for any parent. It is. I went for the first time this year and um, it was actually a very positive place because there were lots of people using wheelchairs. So if you want, you know, if, you, if your child doesn't see that many people using wheelchairs, it might, it's a nice opportunity for them to be around people. And it's more typical, you know, that kind of um, seeing other people in your situation. Um, just on a more personal note, um, our son is on a lot of medication. So dealing, you know, and and uh, he had a back brace. So these are all additional things that we've had to deal with over the years that, um, you know, require, it's not just, oh, we had a back brace. The number of appointments that you have to go to to get the back brace that, that fits appropriately for, you know, with his syndrome, scoliosis is very common. And um, the number of appointments to just go check the back with the back brace and then having to change the back brace when your child grows, it is, you know, these are all things that it's not just like going food shopping. Every outing is a reminder that there's something that is wrong or different and that, um, that not everybody has to do and it can be upsetting. So keep that in mind and don't, you know, it's, it's like a form of grief, you know, for a lot of people. Um, and it just, you're revisited by this grief every time you have to go to an appointment and every time you can't hang out with your other kids because you have to take your child with the additional needs to this appointment. It's just a constant reminder. And I just, I know I kind of belabor this point, but it's, this is, this is the life of a lot of people who have children with disabilities. And it's so important if you're listening and you don't have a child with, with a disability, um, it's so important to, to know, you know, the constant undercurrent of, of triggers and micro traumas and just 
challenges that can accompany um, all of these additional needs because it really does have an impact on the rest of your life. Having to take time out from other things to do something that is, yes, it will be hopefully productive for your child, but it's it adds a lot of stress just having to have childcare for the other kids while you're bringing the child to the appointment. It costs money. Hopefully your insurance is paying for some of this, but it might not be. So all of this surrounds the durable medical equipment. And it's so important, once again, to have community to talk about these things with and um, to, to just commiserate because it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, my son had the back brace for years. And I remember when he was finally done with it and he was only done with it because he had surgery. Um, it was such a relief not to have to deal with that thing because he had to he had to wear it every night. And so if he had a sleepover somewhere, if we traveled, we had to bring it. It was big and it took up a lot of space. So all of these things, you know, have an impact. Braces, you know, a lot of our kids, you know, typical kids have braces as well, but, you know, it's harder to have braces if you know if a child isn't aware of like food being stuck in the braces and that's something you know that goes into the bullying episode um people making fun of kids who are not aware that there's food you know stuck in the braces all of these things are things that we have to think about like oh my god make sure they brush really properly because it's another opportunity for somebody to make fun of them it's it's all of this stuff is so loaded and uh, you're not alone you're not alone is what I want to say. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I think uh, <laughs> that's, that's something important to remember. And it feels so lonely sometimes, especially if you need a specific piece of equipment that is hard to find and you're like, am I the only one? <laughs> and sometimes it feels like you're the only one. And it feels like uh, you're the only one or you're all alone, especially when you find something that really works well for your child, that you can immediately see the tremendous benefit. And then the insurance company would say, ah, oh, we're not paying for that. <laughs> and you need to go through the whole struggle of finding a way to, to finance that piece of equipment. And yeah. I am going to leave the whole section of uh, how to find, you know, financial resources and get uh, equipment funded because this is a, a three-hour episode that won't fit into this one, half an hour one but um, but but it's a serious struggle it's just choosing what's a, a good fit is is only the first uh, part of this long yes. battle but um, I want to also say something about uh, again trying equipment out many, many, many of the vendors, I would say 90% of the situation, you would find something that sounds like a good fit. And your only way to try it out is actually purchasing it. And that's it. Mm. And this is such an unfair uh, method to go because usually for pediatric uh, equipment, you're only allowed to purchase it once in five years. And in five wow. years, you're supposedly your child is grown enough to replace it. And um, this is a tricky, tricky situation. I uh, want to give a big, big shout out now to the uh, Able Closet, um, <laughs> I guess, uh, organization in California. And this is a uh, charity that two moms in California started. Uh, in which families can donate equipment that their kids have outgrown mm -hmm. and other families can 
rent, uh, of course, <laughs> free of charge, they can uh, get the, the equipment to try for mm -hmm. a period of up to six months if they mm -hmm. want to. So if you, let's say you wanted to buy a gate trainer and for those who are not familiar, it's like a frame that holds your child in a standing position and then they can also practice taking steps even though they might lack, let's say, um, torso control to be standing upright. Uh, mm -hmm. There's so many gate trainers out there, but you really need to find something that can work for your specific child. So being able to borrow one for, let's say, a month and try it, like, let's say, four times every weekend, you kind of get, because it's a big piece of equipment, you get your child with your family and try it out in a playground and see if it can work, etc. And after four times, you see it doesn't work, you return it, you borrow another one. Uh, this is one of the most, uh, I guess, amazing charities that are out there and it's the work of the two moms that put it together but also you can see how other families participate in by donating what their children have outgrown and uh, I love it and I want to encourage people if you do have a way to find a, a similar if not the exact same piece of equipment uh, do it get it and try it out I can't even tell you how many times we put such a, an effort in getting a piece of equipment and putting all the money and uh, the fights with insurance companies and all that and finally when it was here and we were supposed to go into regular use of it it turned out it just doesn't work it was and, so and that, again that's about you know finding community um we have you know facebook pages for our group in montclair we have a facebook page that goes along with it called, you know, Montclair people, help, uh, families of children with disabilities, helping other families. And, you know, sometimes people post weighted blankets on there and other, other types of, you know, equipment. And these are things that are so helpful because they're very expensive. A lot of these things are so expensive. And if you're not using it, or even if you're lending it, um, breast pumps, you know, that many of us need if our baby isn't eating and we are using a feeding tube, they're really expensive and, and you can share these things. You just change out the parts and it's sterile. So it's so important. You know, I always bring it back to community because, you know, if people know other people who know other people and it's just you're networking to get the things that you need. And if you're a very reserved person and you're not comfortable with that, again, ask a friend to do that for you or a family member to do that for you. And it, it can be done and it can be life life changing. Yeah. My last uh, piece here about equipment that uh, I can't finish this episode without mentioning mm -hmm is that uh, no matter what piece of equipment it is, listen to your child. And even if your child is nonverbal, listen to their cues, look at their face, look at the tension of their muscles and be very attentive to how they look like when they're trying a piece of equipment. And I don't care how good it's supposed to be and how fabulous your PT can say that it fits your child. Look at your child, listen to your child's cues because uh, they know best what works for their body. And especially for the kids who are nonverbal, who find it really hard to tell you, this is not working for me. You need to listen because even on a first trial, you don't know if something is pressuring them on the wrong spot and it's... Uh, it's not fine. I uh, am using this opportunity to admit that even I, with my daughter's fabulous communication skills, 
did that mistake of ignoring her, of listening that she would get used to the pain and it would be, it's okay, it's just a, a period of time. It's not a period of time. Sometimes the damage that can be done to their bodies by using the wrong piece of equipment is irreversible. So I'm encouraging you to uh, really make sure that while someone else is busy demonstrating the device, you should be busy focusing on your kid and, uh, and, and really being attentive and don't purchase something that you think your child is even mildly uncomfortable in. Okay. All right, well, we're gonna close out for today, but we will continue discussions about this kind of stuff and um thank you for being with us and please in the comments let us know if there's anything that you've used or any suggestions you have for getting medical durable equipment or just what it feels like so thank you for tuning in and uh, don't forget to leave a review on the platform you're listening from and uh give us a five-star rating <laughs> thank you bye-bye bye-bye for more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.